This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and talked to Bruce Anderson. Bruce is a nurse practitioner, but traditionally he was a logger. He grew up in his family logging business and at an older age, 26, 27 years old, he transitioned out of that, got his nursing degree, then went on to get his nurse practitioner degree. Uh, So this is one that was super cool just to hear how he didn't necessarily take the safe route uh, and got into that nursing world. Uh, So I really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Bruce, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, here to talk about what I'm interested in, and we can go anywhere from there, but what I want to know is you were a logger at some point at, and you can get into the age and some of the story, but you got into, you went back to school, you became a nurse, now a nurse practitioner, but what was that like? You were a logger and you decided to go back to school. What, how did that all start? And what was that like? Well, uh, it initially started actually in high school. Okay. Um, at a, kind of a young age I guess uh, I was like probably in ninth grade and one of my teachers there uh, Mr. Parker he introduced the idea to to kind of the whole class but kind of in particular to all the guys he said if you guys want a good job you know the nursing field is is actually wide open and there's there's a lot of jobs there and I kind of chuckled at the idea myself I'm like most most guys especially at that time were traditionally not in in nursing especially maybe right. maybe other places in the medical field or they may have been and i didn't even know it um but anyway my my background is my my entire family's been involved in logging um my dad started in the 1950s um and i was also very involved in the family business both of my brothers are still loggers to this day um and i started at a young age i used to love going in the woods with my dad um Every chance I could, I went out there. We used to spend uh, every Saturday. It seemed like I was going in the woods, and even when he, um, when he came home from work on a daily basis during the week, my job was to take care of all of his wood stuff. So mm-hmm. it was kind of in my blood. I I, I used to take care of all fueling up all his uh, cans, uh, fuel cans for the for the equipment for the skitters and stuff, and then uh, the power saws. Um, I had to get those ready for the next day make sure all his everything was ready to go for him and i i used to love that i mean i loved going in the woods um and even to this day i still enjoy going in the woods for um, a multitude of reasons but the reason um so i ended up working in the woods always during the summer even at a young age before i graduated from high school i spent my summers out there um and then right when i graduated from high school i started working in the woods full time um and i i enjoyed it immensely i I never quit working in the woods ever because i didn't enjoy it the job was one of the funnest jobs in the world but um i did have 
a little bit of a seed planted in the back of my brain that there, you know, there may be something else too. Um, mm-hmm. There, the few things I did not enjoy about working in the woods were actually this time of year when in the springtime we'd get laid off and we'd be laid off for a prolonged time. It seemed like it was like two months always at least. I didn't like being laid off. Yeah. Um, and I didn't necessarily enjoy working on the equipment either, you know, and it seemed like there was, there was a fair amount of that too. But I, and so I guess I worked in the woods for probably 10 years. It was out of high school. What? No, I was 26 years old when I went, started going back to school. So, okay. <clears throat> Actually, I, I didn't realize that I would, but I, I do want to ask you a lot about that woods experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can do that now. We can do that later, but yeah. What was, I guess let's think about doing it a little bit later. What was the point where you said, okay, I, even though the seed was in the back of your mind for quite a while, at what point did you say, I need to do something different? Um, you know, I, I think actually, um, I partially credit my wife, but I think the idea was probably there already. The seed planted. Um, it was actually right after we had got married, we got married in, in August and I started taking night classes in January. And part of the thinking there was, um, I don't want to ever feel like I'm stuck in a job. I don't care where it's, what it's doing. And it, that includes even now. I, right. I, I hate that feeling of feeling like it's something you have to do. And I guess I always felt like, and maybe even still feel to this day, like um, I can always go back in the woods if I want to. But it's, um, as one of my teachers, Mr. Hanon, used to always say in high school, that it's just another tool in your toolbox. Sure, <laughs> sure. So that's the way I, I looked at it, you know, and, and I thought, well, if, if I do not like school and if it's something that's just untenable, I will, um, I'll quit and I'll go back working. Cause like, like I said, I did not, uh, I didn't, it wasn't like I didn't enjoy my job, what I was doing. I just wanted to try a different uh, direction. And it was, it was definitely a challenge to go back to school after those years though. And it was, yeah, it was, and I, I guess I embraced that challenge right when I realized that this was going to be a little tough. Then I decided I'm going to put my all into it. Yeah. Were you, uh, how was high school for you from a, uh, like a grade standpoint or an engagement standpoint? Um, not very good. Okay. <laughs> so my, when I was in high school, um, my thinking always was I'm going to end up working in the family business. And to be honest, I didn't put much effort in at all. Yeah. So it was 100% on me. It was nothing to do with my instructors, teachers. I, I mostly went there because I felt like I had to go. Mostly I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be bird hunting, doing anything besides being in school. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed wood shop and metal shop. And um, interestingly enough, I enjoyed I enjoyed some of my math classes, but I it, I almost refused to put in the effort myself. And I, to this day, I don't quite understand why I did that. But right. um, so it was a much different experience when I went back to school at a much you know at an older age. It was it was much different. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is, of course, again, you're a nurse practitioner today. Yeah. It's probably not typical that a, a take a hundred nurse practitioners. Most of them probably were engaged and great at high school, right? I I would have to say, but I I, I don't know. <clears throat> to me, it seems like most of the people I know who are involved in in this field or in the medical field have had some background in it, either mm-hmm. a parent or else, you know, somebody in the family and also maybe had that as a goal for their entire life. Like they, it was something they had looked at. Um, and when I started into school, um, I had that as my end goal. I was going to go on. I went through, started taking night classes initially. And the reason I was taking the night classes is to qualify to get into school because actually I went through Gogebic 
they looked at my grades from high school and uh, they were kind of atrocious. Sure. They, I don't remember what my GPA was but it's probably around a two point or less maybe i don't know right right um so i was on academic probation when i started yeah and um but you know married and having a kid makes you and just i think just that little bit of age on your side is helpful too because i handled it like a job i made it my job to do as good as i could in school and i so I'd wake up early in the morning, just like I did when I was working in the woods, wake up at, you know, six o'clock in the morning and start studying. And I would study until school started at eight. Um, and then I had 23 credits. I think the first semester I was at Kogebic down hmm. in Ironwood. So I had nothing but school and studying. That was, that, that's what my life consisted of. Right. So, yeah, we, we actually, so right when I got accepted into uh, school in Ironwood, or, or into the nursing program, I was living um, in Calumet, and we ended up, my wife and I ended up going down uh, to Ironwood to look at properties, um, and we bought a house down there that was uh, a fixer-upper. So it was actually kind of a diamond in the uh, rough, though. You know, it was a house that somebody had foreclosed on, and it was not lived in, and the bank wanted a fair amount of money and a fair amount of money for it. I thought at the time, so we offered them less than half, hmm. <laughs> and they took it, took it. So right. at the that was so we had a good place to live there, and it was very inexpensive. So I ended up uh, doing some elbow grease on the house before we moved into it. It had you know carpeting and stuff, which we tore up and refinished the hardwood floors in there. Um, I put a little sauna in the basement and we were good to go for school. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> no, the reason I asked it, I guess I'm jumping around and that's, I guess we can do that. But the reason I asked about the high school GPA and, and where you got to is I think that resonate with a lot of people that themselves find themselves not engaged in high school or they didn't yeah. find themselves engaged and maybe they could define themselves internally, even subconsciously for the rest of your life. But that doesn't mean you can't go out and achieve whatever you'd like to achieve. That's kind of why I was asking that. And I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, and um, actually the graduating class I graduated with, um, I've said it a few times, There, there's, we were actually kind of uh, looked back upon even by teachers in later years as being kind of a class of uh, kind of, I don't know, what would you say, rejects or sure. people, people <laughs> that didn't do very, very well at all academically. Right. And it's actually very interesting now, years later, looking back, because a lot of the guys that I hung around with who were... Um, I don't know, didn't do very well in school or just didn't have the interest are actually very successful. So yeah. uh, um, I don't know necessarily that it correlates that that um, if you get if you do poorly in high school, <laughs> that it, it you know goes along for the rest of your life. You don't have to carry that as a cross forever, you know? Yeah, right. No, exactly right. You don't have to let that define yourself or whatever else. But two, is there a thing I feel like I've heard of and I've talked about people talk like emotional intelligence. You, you familiar with that? Um, I guess I don't know exactly what you mean. And, and, it's, and it may not relate because I think a lot of what you've done and accomplished is probably just attributed to just straight hard work. But uh, I think they say like success can be a, largely 
or a huge component of it is emotional intelligence, your ability to handle your own emotions, receive other people's emotions and work in a, in a, in a group setting. I don't know all of how you define it or say it, but whatever else that you could have the <clears throat> highest IQ, smartest person, but if they can't communicate and work it out in today's world, then it's just, it, it doesn't correlate to actionable things. Yeah, I, oh, I see exactly. Yeah. Actually, I think that correlates extremely well, especially in, in the medical world and maybe even more particular, um, in the, in the nursing world. Sure. For example, um, one of the guys I graduated with, I remember was academically, he was probably, if not the top person in our class, one of the top two in our class, Mm -hmm. but his way of communicating and his bedside manner, he was awkward. Sure. Um, really had a hard time communicating with anybody. Um, and so that was a good example of somebody who was extremely smart. I, I think he probably knew at least uh, the book work part of it and everything else, um, like the back of his hand. But as far right. as the way it translated, and, and that's such a big part of what you're doing when you're taking, you know, we're first of all taking care of people before anything else, you know, right? And and to be able to communicate with people, and and that includes not only the patient but also the doctor or you know the. Um, Anybody who you're working with, any of the lab people, anything, you know, it's, it, it all requires a certain level of uh, emotional intellect, I suppose. For sure. Right. So when you had gone into school, did you said you, right off the bat, nurse practitioners where you wanted to get to, or you, you just kind of see where it takes you kind of thing? My first goal was to graduate with my, um, my RN degree. Okay. And the reason why I knew the job was so versatile and it, it is. It's. Uh, I tell people to this day. There's. If you get a RN degree, um, you can get a job just about anywhere. First of all, you can work um, as much or as little bit as you want to. You literally can work one or two days a month, mm-hmm. or you can work. You know, you can work ninety hours a week if you want to, or more. I mean, it's it's the the world is your oyster. Right. And also, I mean, even at the hospital level, there's people who have RN degrees. Who haven't seen a patient in 20 years they're, they're doing it stuff but sure. their background in nursing is definitely relevant to what they do um they they set up um you know like the the charting systems that we have and everything essentially one of the um head it people she has a nursing degree mm-hmm. you know and and it it helps her every day because it's it's basically um, the background that she needed for doing the IT work that she does. So it, there there are many things, and I know there's call-in centers you can work at. There's you know, and even in even in uh, patient nursing, there are many different things you can do. You know, from from long-term care to emergency department to to working in um, mental health to wherever. There's there's it really is versatile. So that was my first goal, mm-hmm. and when I was in Gogebic, um, the my RN year. So the way Gogebic's program is structured is you have to do, um, you have to reapply for an RN after you get your LPN. So everybody in the whole class is reapplying. Right. And um, and maybe it's not as competitive today as it was then. I know they only accepted they accepted thirty students into the LPN program, but only twenty into their RN program. Hmm. So ten people are getting knocked out right off the bat. Right. Um, so I made it my um, goal and, and my job to make sure I was in, going to make it in that next level. Um, and I always, the way I, I always handled it was I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room. Um, but the one thing I can do is work. So mm-hmm. I, I handled it that way. I thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll outwork the next person maybe, but I'll, I'll try as hard as I can. And that was my goal. And once I was in my, um, my RN year at Gogebic, I started thinking, you know, I, 
I wonder, my initial goal is actually to go on to be a nurse anesthetist. Okay. Um, and I, there's a lot of people, and it seems more males than females even, but it's probably both. Um, and maybe it was just the guys I talked to maybe, but um, they, they seem to be motivated to be, it seems like, especially um, CRNAs, which are... Uh, which is a very high paying job. And I think that's why a lot of people are motivated to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was part of the motivation for myself too. Right. Um, after going on then to Northern, we moved to Marquette and I started going to school at Northern. I realized, um, I'm not sure if that's exactly what I want to do, but I, I, you need a bachelor's degree to get accepted into any of those programs. Okay. So Gogebix was only a uh, two-year associate degree program, right. which was, um, it was a fantastic degree. But I started working and going school at Northern at the time for my bachelor degree. Okay. Um, with the end goal then, I wasn't certain if I wanted, I knew I did not want to be in management. Okay. And I did want to be at the bedside and nurse practitioner seemed like a, seemed like a natural route to go. So, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah. What's CRNA? I'm not familiar. Um, it's a certified, a registered nurse anesthetist. Okay. That's what the nurse anesthetist is yeah, talking about. So okay, CRNA. You. So they work, um, right. in some rural hospitals, they work completely independently of anesthesiologists hmm. even, but, um, most places they work in concert with like an anesthesiologist. Uh, the CRNAs do a lot of what you would expect in anesthesia. You know, they put people under for surgery, but they also do, um, spinal infusions, that sort of thing, especially, uh, intrathecals, um, when, when your wife is in labor or, or anything like that, they get, they're on call a lot, especially yeah. in small area. So I know that they spend a lot of time. One of the guys I talked to, um, he said he was on call. This was a few weekends ago and he said he was on, he got called in 17 times in one weekend. Unreal. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, wouldn't want that. I, my family life means too much to me. <laughs> right. Right. So thinking back to that early of jumping back into school, was that a scary yeah. thing to do? Yeah, it was actually, it, it was, and it was challenging because I was used to working with my hands, which, um, is something I still enjoy doing. But when I started going back to school, it was just a completely different animal. It yeah. was, um, like I said, I struggled in high school. So for me to go back into just beginning algebra, I mean, we were just doing, uh, I don't remember exactly what algebra course it was, but I know it was one of the, the night night shift uh, classes that we were doing at Gogebic and it was, it was an entry level algebra. And it seemed like I was having to work really hard to get my grade there. And also at the chemistry class, we had a chemistry class that our instructor really made us learn it. And mm-hmm. I'm glad he did. He, he was... He wouldn't let us out of there a minute early. Hmm. <laughs> he held our feet to the fire, but I learned it well and I actually got to really enjoy chemistry. When I was at Northern, I, I did organic chemistry and I I actually really liked it. We had, huh. yeah, I never thought I would be interested in organic chemistry at all. Right. And here I am and, and it was it was very interesting to, to actually exercise your brain. And actually I remember the feeling of having my, as crazy as it sounds, I could feel my brain working again. Like felt felt like my brain was burning almost when I first started. And I think it was probably integrating new, new routes in your brain. I mean, yeah, it's, it sure seemed like a different thing completely. And, and not to say that there wasn't some of that even working in the woods. Cause there was, right. um, it, it's, it's not just, um, 
just working with your hands there's actually a fair amount of intellect that has to go into that you know running the equipment and and taking care of um taking care of the day-to-day operations and um a fair level of communication too you're communicating with communicating with trucks and and everything else Uh, so it's that that part of it it was just at a completely different level what i was doing there yeah in school you know right for sure yeah definitely in the in the logging world i could see for sure a lot of working your brain between the working on the equipment fixing the equipment um where do you go Uh, the whole the whole bit of it i could see it for sure but the the schooling was just a more direct and focused just intentional mind process hey yeah yeah yeah, and it was um, the way uh, an associate degree nursing program is set up. It's basically core nursing classes. That's mm-hmm. what you're looking at. So um, it's pretty much all medical. Uh, um, you know, you're doing biology, nutrition, all those type of classes. Something, everything that's pertinent. And as an associate degree nurse, you actually do more clinical hours than you do as a four-year bachelor's nurse. So it's more um, intense on actual patient care. So we did a lot of clinical hours, and we used at the time I did my clinical hours between Ironwood and also down at um, um, it was down in Hayward, Wisconsin. Anyways, hmm. where we had gone and did some more clinical hours, but we did summer classes, and I only had like a month off in the summertime. I went work in the woods just to earn some extra money while I was doing it. But mm-hmm. even during that time, I was getting prepared for my next year of school, so it felt like it was pretty much education driven um until i got done and so when i had gone on for my bachelor's degree like i said earlier i i I had the intention of going on more for my nurse practitioner but i ended up taking off um while i graduated in 2007 i think it was okay um with my bachelor and i didn't go back to school for my nurse practitioner my np until 2010 okay so I worked a few years in the emergency department, um, but it was kind of a little bit hanging over my head the entire time. I knew I was going to go back, mm-hmm. but I was very tired of school sure. on one hand, and I wanted to, to just kind of stick at what, what I was doing. And there again, I actually enjoyed my job working as a, as a nurse in the emergency department. Um, I just knew it was something I had to do. It was one of those things I was, I was aiming for, and it, it was a goal I had to meet. Yeah. <laughs> How come you had to do it, the the goal, just because of the goal or you wanted to go to that higher level, the learning side of things, or what was it that made you know that you had to go back? Um, I, I think it was maybe partially because it was a goal I had set for myself as one of them. And also um, at that time in the emergency department, I was actually working with several nurse practitioners who were, who were doing the job I was going to be doing. Um, and and I really looked forward to it. I knew it was something I wanted to do. Okay. And that's what I, when I graduated, um, it was helpful because um, I knew I had a job already. Mm-hmm. The hospital had already essentially said that they would hire me to work as, as a nurse practitioner. So I had my, um, I had a job all set. So that was, that took one burden off. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, so my job at the time, I was working and, and basically putting as much effort as I could into school and going on for a master's program, even after being out of school for a few years, was exceptionally difficult. Um, I, many, many times I was thinking 
I should just quit. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I, I knew I couldn't, but that, that was the nagging thought in the back of my head. You know, once in a while you get hit with that. Right. I wonder if I should just give up now. And it's like, well, I can't. I'm, I'm a year into this and I'm going to try as hard as I can. And I didn't, like when I graduated from Gogebic at a 4.0, um, when I went on to uh, Northern, I, I maintained the, those high grades. I really st- strove to maintain that. It was virtually impossible for me to do that when I was going to school for my nurse practitioner through University of Cincinnati. Yeah. It was it was really hard. Just, um, I, I think it may have been doable if I could have moved to Cincinnati, been on campus, and had no other distractions, no family. Right. But at the time, I was still the sole breadwinner, mm-hmm. working full-time, and, and trying to go to school. So my, my life was that. Right. Know? Yeah. So. No, there's... Uh, you mentioned like could you have could you have done it if you were working there and living full time but there's something about you being in that spot where you are married kids you're the breadwinner where you're so intentional and so focused that i don't know there's something about it where you're certainly on a way different level than the kid who is or the young kid who's just there because maybe they should be there or something you know what i mean it's it's different from you versus the the traditional row yeah oh for sure and actually i think that's level at or that's um true at all levels uh you know, when I was at Gogebic, there was, um, especially like in our second year, there was 20 students and it was split almost half and half where mm-hmm. half of them were all of us older people right? <laughs> and the other half were kids who had just gotten out of high school. And I would say um, overall, the upper, the older people did much better. And I think it was just that level of dedication. And like I said, I made it my job. It was something I was going to do. Um, and just that level of maturity which I would not have had in myself at, at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go so far as to say, um, even for my own kids, I, that I think there's a great value in um, not going to college directly out of high school. I think sure. going into the workforce for a year or two um, for a multitude of reasons. First of all, um, to learn kind of what you want to do or what you don't want to do. And yep. second of all, um, to know that... Uh, that once you get in, you're going to have to work. It's, yeah. Nothing's handed to you. And I think that's, um, that's probably true of anybody who goes on for a higher level of education. If you look at the, um, washout rate nationally, it's pretty high. It's over 50%. Yeah. I've been told, I, I mean, I've never researched it, but right. it, it's pretty high kids who start school and don't graduate with a degree, but the school gets all your money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have you always been, uh, or at least I picture you currently, you're a pretty intellectually curious guy, right? beyond the nurse practitioner oh, yeah. world, right? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a dreamer too. I'm, I'm, my mind's always kind of wandering in many places, but when I and when I want to find something out, um, I definitely like to dive in a little deep and, yeah. and try and figure things out. Um, yeah, and, and try new things for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at, as a young age, were you? I'm curious if there's a difference in you today versus you at 19 working in the woods and was school a potential shift? I mean, you mentioned you might have new brain pathways or something like that. Like, has it changed you or have you just got a continuation of how you've always been? I think uh, probably both actually. Okay. So I think it's probably, uh, the way I've always been is that curious nature. I've always wanted to, um, probably take it to that next level. If I, if I'm interested in something, mm-hmm. um, but also to, it's one of those things that um, I, I probably had to be prompted a little bit to do it. Okay. Um, 
and by prompted, I don't necessarily mean by anybody else even, but mm-hmm. just have somebody maybe introduce the idea to me Sure. and, and, and go from there. Okay. That I definitely am intellectually curious uh, just from a, just a bystander, whatever else. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I'll find myself like head first into certain subjects and, and really enjoy learning this, whatever, like I've said it before. I'm the most engaged when I'm in something like new, mm-hmm. learning something new or even something old, but just if I don't, if I'm not able to like, yeah, so I, I don't know how to quite describe it, but I feel like you're on the same wavelength of whatever I'm trying to, trying to say here. But yeah, I was curious if that's changed or how that that's played out. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. In the logging world, I'm curious about would you have been able to fulfill that? I guess you could fulfill it outside of that, but is, is that part of what the nursing was? Is that intellectual curiosity or is it more utility and looking at the future for your family? Um, there again, probably both. I don't know if I'd, I think if, if I would have stayed in logging, there would have been, I think I would have had to probably buy my own equipment and, and did it myself just to, I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably the way I would have done it Okay. rather than work for somebody. Um, and you know, I, I think like, as far as you mentioned with, uh, having that deeper, deeper level of interest or, or curiosity, that happened when I was going to school for surely, for example, like the organic chemistry, it was something I had to have the class, mm-hmm. um, and anatomy. I had to have the class in order to go on. Right. But I really enjoyed it. Actually. I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed the learning and I had full intentions of when I got out of school to actually go back and delve deeper into some of those subjects and stick with it. Um, I, I haven't so much right. <laughs> because life goes on. Yeah. Um, but I have with a few things, um, I've kept some of my books that I've, I've looked back at um very interested in the anatomy physiology part of it um and also just just many of those things that i even my nutrition class which you'd think would be as boring as dirt was it was actually fantastic i learned a ton in there and we Hmm. had a great instructor who was who was very um passionate about what he did um he's been an instructor for a long time at northern right um but he had he had a lot of good information that i use to this day um, and it's not, not even just for my job, just, just for life, you know? So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, even, uh, uh, thinking about that where like I can dive head first into something, an example is like we go hunt out West mm-hmm. and there's a, I like to know a lot of the history and stuff around that area. And that one day I find myself at work and I'm, I'm 10 pages into like the, the reservation that's nearby their constitution or, or like, uh, reading a book right now of, uh, couple people in that area and, and learn, learning the firsthand history. I feel like it, it feels like it gives you like a deeper understanding, but it's just fun to explore certain, certain specific areas just on a really deep level. Yeah. Well, 
that, that's what I find myself doing oftentimes too. I, as far as like even history, I'm, I'm a history buff also. I've, I, I, I read a lot and I can't stand fiction. Right. So everything I read has to have happened really because it's, I don't want, I'm not interested in what comes out of somebody's mind. Um, so I read a lot on World War II, you know, Vietnam War. That seems to be my real interest. But I, I've also read a lot of um, just, just history stuff like yourself, you mm-hmm. know, researched areas. Even local history here is just amazing if you look at it. I mean, we, we really live in a, a unique area. You look at the mining history and even even prior to that when they first discovered copper here and everything else, it's it's actually amazing. Right, um, right. No, so, and we might even dive into that later, but I just had the feeling that you're a, fairly similar on that aspect but um going to school you mentioned that was scary but how much of it was scary because of the school is new or scary because you're leaving behind the safe and the secure and the i mean the family business right you could have easily just stuck that out for your life and retired and went on your merry way but how much of it was or is it again probably both but can you touch on that yeah um you know i think the scariest thing was probably stepping away from the family business, to be honest. I, I think it was um, probably somewhat, maybe it was just even in my mind, the way that other people would think sure. about it, about maybe me. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that was an insecurity on my part. And actually, um, the the second thing is it's what I knew. Mm-hmm. So you're stepping away from everything that you know into something completely different. Um, and after I started going into school then I, I probably let some of that go i mean now it's just it's what i what i do and it what other people think don't bother me i guess as right. you get older it doesn't it's not something to think about but it was yeah. um and actually it's it was uh it was enjoyable once i started the process of learning okay. um i do remember like for example my first so so the way that nursing school is um structured you start doing the academic portion first of all and then you go into the um the clinical portion so my first clinical rotation we went to gogebic medical care facility and mm-hmm. you know and these are all elderly people right and um a lot of people have you know dementia and what have you and here i am changing you know a diaper on an elderly guy you know yeah. <laughs> and and you're thinking what am i doing you know right. i i really <laughs> i like working in the woods you know what am i doing here right um and I knew at that point, though, that this was only a stepping stone. I was sure. going to go on to something else. Um, so it was only short-lived, and then we were doing the hospital nursing, which um, is a much more variety. When I went to, so after I'd finished my uh, year at Gogebic, my second year, like I said, we bought a house in Ishpeming, and I ended up applying for jobs at every every local medical establishment I could just mm-hmm. because I needed a job tomorrow because right. we're buying a house, I'm moving here, right. and I'm going to school. So I applied at all the nursing homes. I applied at the hospitals. I applied um, everywhere I could that I could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I got a job at, I mean, I, I handed in my application. I was walking across the parking lot to leave, and the lady came running outside and said, when can you start, essentially? Right. <laughs> so here's your sign it may not be the best place to work yeah. when they have when they struggle to keep people right but it was a, a nursing home that um i ended up working there for a short bit for about six weeks and I actually learned a fair amount and mostly what i learned was from the other my co-workers hmm. um i worked with a 
a nurse's aide, for example, who she lived in her car at the time. Um, and she knew every patient that I saw. She had been working there for a little while, but she knew every patient, what medications they got, what times they got them, what their blood sugars normally ran, everything that they needed. And I mean, she was on top of it. And I had like 40 something patients at the time. And I, I told her right off the bat, I said, Amy, why don't you go to school? I said, you could, you could capitalize on that. You know, she, she definitely had what, it, you know, she, she had the brains for it for right. surely. And, um, yeah, I, I always kind of wondered what happened to her. Yeah. But so I, I learned a lot in that short amount of time. And then, um, Bell hospital in Ishpeming offered me a job working in the emergency department. They typically don't hire, um, people who are fresh grads they want you to have a year of experience mm-hmm. but at the time they were short-staffed and um they thought well they'll try and train me i, th- I think part of it might have been the fact that i was you know what 27 or 28 years old at the time mm-hmm. so maybe maybe that played a fact i don't know um might have factored in but sure at any rate i started working um and i was my job ended up being where i worked the weekend, I'd work every Friday night, and then every and then every other weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was like four shifts per two week period. Okay, um, and that was about all I could do while I was going to school full time too. But it was just enough so we could eat, and I was buying my health insurance out of pocket and everything at the time. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a great learning experience. There's in the nursing world. Um, there's almost no better place to work than the emergency department. I'm biased because that's my background and I, I really enjoyed working there. Right. But, um, you see such a variety of things working in the, in that emergency setting and which I, um, I kind of missed that portion of it. Mm-hmm. And so my, and when I went on, um, as a nurse practitioner, I ended up working in the emergency department also for about until 2019, I think it was. Okay. And they... And the reason I left even was because they were transitioning the nurse practitioners and PAs out of the ED because our volumes were falling. Sure, sure. And subsequently, they've been trying to get me to go back there. But, hmm. um, I haven't just at this point because I enjoy my schedule too much. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, it's, uh, I do want to get into the, even in the nurse practitioner side today, like certain aspects of that in a second here. But I am curious about, you mentioned the, uh, that you were nervous mostly about getting out of the family business because of what other people thought. Mm-hmm you think that might've been just an insecurity, but did it like, I could picture you having fears of like, what's my dad going to think? What are my friends going to think? What are my, the coworkers going to think that did any of that come to fruition? Like, did you receive any blowback or, or how did that play out? Yeah, I did actually. Okay. Uh, it, it was mostly, um, kind of poking fun or, or sure. kind of joking right. mostly, but, um, I think a lot, some of them jokes were probably rooted in a little bit of truth too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, sure. and, and that's, what's, that's what's playing in back of my mind anyways. Uh, um, and that's probably why I was maybe even sensitive to it to some extent, because maybe I had insecurity myself, which right. I, I probably did. Um, <clears throat> but, and even my dad, he, he would have, my dad's not the type that would ever, um, discourage me from doing anything. He would, sure. he would certainly encourage me, but yeah, he had a few questions about why are you doing it? And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I had satisfactory a- answers or not, but, um, I just knew it was something I was going to do. Yeah. Um, and also the guys in the in the woods typically they have a way of kind of ribbing each other anyway mm-hmm. so it definitely came up <laughs> right right no i can <laughs> now, see that now and again especially you know we if you're running equipment which i was everybody has a cb 
and uh, over the CB, there's a lot of little comments thrown yeah. here and there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can picture that for sure. So, so I can give it back too, though. So. Yeah, right. No, I can see a world, and I don't know if this relates to you at all, but I'm thinking about, okay, you said that you're, you've always been curious. I've always been that way and a dreamer, whatever else, to the extent where it almost could get me in trouble. Like at a, at a young age, I'd be not necessarily engaged in what I'm doing in front of me. And I'd be thinking about this other thing or this other idea. And where it felt like a lot of people, my friends, whatever else could easily be engaged in that and perform and excel, whatever it might be, some utilitarian thing. And it would almost, again, just being too much of a daydreamer, like it would get me in trouble and led me to the point where if I'm okay, I'm interested in these theories and these ideas. And, and, and again, from on a, on a brain level that if there was somebody who was below par on a, like a, a handyman or a, uh, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Like on a, on a, on a working with your hands type of mentality, mm-hmm. I can, I can hold my own, but I'm just saying if there's somebody that's below par, I felt like at least internally, it was probably me. Uh, does that relate to you at all? Or were you, did you always excel on in the logging world, whatever else you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I'm yeah. I know. I know exactly what you're trying to say. I think that what I, um, as far as back to the, first part that you said i like the the dreaming part that was that's definitely me even even somewhat to this day but i would find myself you know in school where my mind would be wandering off and i i I have a mechanical mind too though so i i always um i was wrenching on things lots you know i I take apart snowmobiles and i still do all all, mostly my mechanic work on my vehicles still and and that sort of thing so uh, the mechanical part of it i i did but you know like as far as like even carpentry I, I, I did build my house, but I do not claim to be a carpenter by any stretch. I, mm-hmm. I can watch a YouTube video with the best of them and follow along or use the things that I can learn. But I, I'm always amazed by people who are really good at it. For example, you know, like making cabinetry or trim work and when right. I do it, it's done right. And it looks good where my work is never like that, you know? Sure. And I sure. feel like part of it is something that I haven't maybe, um, put the effort into it and it's probably something a person can learn too but i my i'm probably have my mind elsewhere or or whatever you know yeah my my, i built uh a log house um and and part of the the log house part of it was mostly done and i had bought the logs from a guy who had who had done the lion's share of the work but i'd put it together and i had to do some log scribing and um put the cabinet cabinets in and 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 all the trim and everything like that and i always thought if things don't fit the first time or the second time they may just have to go like that right. even if they are half inch too short yeah <laughs> but, for sure so anyways so i guess that what i was trying to just just curious about you mentioned the insecurity of uh heading into that world of where that came from was it an insecurity about you internally or just insecurity of and we don't have to go too far but insecurity of the fact that you're leaving this the logging world and going into that other world. I, I suppose same thing for me, maybe a combination. Yeah, I, it probably was, probably was my own insecurity. What I, mostly what I, I, I think mo- probably less so the way that I felt more so what I thought other people thought, sure. you know what I mean? And, and why, why, why it was that way at that time? I don't know. Maybe it was, yeah, I don't know. Hard to say exactly, but I, I know it's, uh, it was, uh, a tough transition that first year, especially there mm-hmm. were, there are many times it's easy to go back to your, to your old ways or to, to what you know. Right. Um, and that's probably what I kept feeling like it, it was, um, 
maybe it's not natural for me to be going to school, for example, it would be a thought that would hit my mind. You know, maybe maybe this isn't something I need to be doing right now. Right. Maybe I should be going back, uh, working in the woods. Um, it's more of a man's work, if you would say. You mm-hmm. know? Um, since that time, though, I've, again, maintained, I've thought, well, if I ever want to go back, it's not like I can't. Right. I, I still could go drive truck tomorrow or go run equipment or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing is, is, as much as I still enjoy the woods, and I, I could easily do it tomorrow, there's no question. Um, my desire to do it has probably lessened. Okay. The, and and I don't think it's that. Um, I think part of it is, first of all, what we used to do as a job out in the woods was so um, labor intensive. We used to dump by hand, so we'd cut trees by hand mm-hmm. and, and skid them with cable skidders. So it was all physical work. Um, skid them into a, a slasher and they would cut them up um, the slasher would but essentially and I was I mostly was running a cable skidder so you're it, it's physical work you're up mm-hmm. and down and I, I I thrived in that and I, I still enjoy doing um, physical labor but um, now it's all mechani- uh, uh, mechanized so everything's mechanical these you hardly leave your equipment you're just sitting there mm-hmm. it's run, like running a video game to some extent right um, so that's maybe a little less intriguing because once you learn your equipment, you can you can do it. Um, but it seems like I don't know. It seems like it'd be less intriguing than actual the physical part of it. So yeah, for sure. But, no, I can see that. And the reason I think I, I I'm hon- I keep honing in on that part of it, and I think we can move on. But for one, just to learn about myself internally. Obviously, everybody has their own insecurities, right? But also, I think there are a lot of people out there who commit to the safe route always. And I feel like you didn't, I feel like you stepped outside of that, but there, that is a big hurdle to overcome that, the thought of what is everybody else going to think? What is my dad going to think? What am I doing this for? There's a lot of people who wish they could and don't. And hearing your story, I think can resonate with them and maybe make them say, Hey, I should like, who cares what other people think? Yeah. Um, I, interestingly enough, I had this conversation several times recently with people who are um who are involved in that world who are still involved in in like maybe working for themselves or working and asked me have asked me questions i had a nephew just recently asked me you know what was it like to go to school at an older age you know now mm-hmm. they're married and have a, a, maybe a two two kids um and my answer is do it now i mean yeah. i think it's um even if you have the interest just to take a class or two to just kind of get your toe wet is a good idea. Mm-hmm. The thing is, there's so much about school. Maybe even uh, you don't use your degree 100%, but it teaches you a different way to think for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I never wanted to be, I think the way I started this conversation is I never felt like I wanted to be trapped in a job. Sure. And that's the way I kind of looked at it when I started going to school is I, I did not want to feel like I was trapped in any world. Uh, sure. And so that that's probably the biggest thing that kind of drove me to do it and, and the desire to learn. And actually, once I started learning and I realized how hard the, the school was um, or how challenging, I, it, it, it actually drove me harder. I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to finish this thing and do as good as I can. So. Right, right. So diving back into the nursing world, you said that potentially part of the nurse practitioner goal or, just, you know, part, potentially just got there because that was the goal. But for you, what was the biggest difference between being a nurse practitioner or being an RN? Um, 
being my own boss. Okay. <laughs> it, I, I like my job right now. I work just, I work um, at the walk-in uh, clinic right now. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was working in the emergency department, I was working emergency and the walk-in. Um, at the walk-in clinic, essentially I have no, um, nobody watching over me for per se. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no management essentially there or anything like that. And, and what management there is kind of let us do our job and, and work, work with us on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy that. And, and it's actually, um, much, uh, it's much more challenging than, than working as a nurse. The nurse, nursing itself is is challenging there's no question like Mm -hmm. especially in trauma situations um there's a lot to it it's in some regards it may even be harder than what the provider's doing right um but the provider has to make the ultimate decision in all those situations and like in the emergency department for example the um like if you get a trauma situation where let's say you know here locally in a small town it doesn't matter which hospital you're talking about. Essentially, you're going to send out this patient to a to a regional center, mm-hmm. whether it's a trauma center at Marquette or, or Wausau or Downstate or what have you. Um, you have to stabilize this patient. Um, and most of the time, the doc will be in there or the NP will be in there sh- for a short bit helping manage the situation. But some of the time, they're on the phone just trying to organize getting this patient out of here, and they're spending a lot of time communicating with whoever they're um, transferring it to. And, and the nurse during that time is essentially doing all the, the grunt work there, mm-hmm. you know, s- sticking in the, the IVs and, and the, um, giving them medications and, and trying to make sure that this patient is stable enough to travel or what have you. Um, so I think the, um, the desire to actually go into be the nurse practitioner was um, it, it the motivation was probably to work as the provider and just think in that different way. I had been working as a nurse already at that point for quite a few years. And I think I just wanted that extra challenge. And it was something that, again, I had set as a goal for myself before that even. So maybe it was something I was always working towards. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, uh, and and again, I picture in that nurse practitioner world, we touched earlier on bedside matters, whatever else, but do you find that you are way more than just a nurse practitioner? Like you're, 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 you're having to work through, I feel like the biggest challenge or the the point where you make the biggest influence is your ability to work with the people on a, on a communication and a emotional level stuff we've talked about like that. Right. Is that, is that true? Is there a lot of truth to that or is it? Yeah, I would say even, even now, like, the most intriguing part of my job actually is the conversations I have with people. Yeah. I actually enjoy that part the most. I mean, you know, at the walk-in clinic, we don't see, uh, um, we see a lot of, you know, coughs, running nose, sore throats, that sort of thing, you know, UTIs, but I also do, you know, sutures and some, some clinical stuff where I'm, you know, foreign bodies embedded in eyes. I'll take those out and, you know, mm-hmm. do those, some, some of that stuff. But Reality, it doesn't matter where you're in the hospital level or at the clinic or in the emergency department. It's really the interaction you have with people that really makes the difference. And some of mm-hmm. their stories are amazing. Some of the stuff you see is amazing. It's, um, it, you couldn't make it up actually. Right. <laughs> if you came up with this in your mind, you couldn't, you couldn't imagine it. And, and here's what really happens. But yeah, just what I'm talking, what I mean is, um, especially from the clinical aspect, that part of it, but, and 
you know, as a provider, some people will come confide in you things that are going on in their life that mm-hmm. have nothing to do with the visit that they're there today. Right. But maybe have everything to do with it too, you know? So yeah, for sure. No, it happens in real estate quite frequently where you're, you're, you meet up to discuss this item, the house, the sale of the house, the purchase of the house, the sale of the land. Eventually at some point, I think if you're a good agent and you're good at what you do, like it just happens naturally, maybe just by being open, whatever else, like you get to the root core of like, what, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's 10 levels deeper than right. I want to, I yeah. want to make a return on my investment or something, yeah. you know, like, right. and that's so cool that I, I can relate to that a uh, hundred times. Is that like the, that's the meaningful part. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that you like sustains you. That's what it says. Like, that's why I'm doing this. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, especially when you, when you start talking to people that, um, it's a, it's what you had just said that the reason they're there is for what, what have you, you know, like at the clinic, they might be there for their cough they've had for a week now. Yeah. But when you talk to them for a few minutes, pretty soon I find myself in the room for 20, 25 minutes because their story is just so much deeper than that. Right. And the reason they have the cough might be the second reason that they're there actually, you mm-hmm. know, um, not that they even came to visit me for right. essentially, but it's just one thing leads to another and pretty soon there you are, you know? Yeah. Um, I enjoy that aspect of it for sure. The the communication and uh, hearing people's um, story, I guess, and being a, a voice that that can maybe bounce stuff back off them. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure, you know, I think it's a powerful moment. Just that 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 human connection or whatever it is, where yeah, mm-hmm. something can be on somebody's shoulders or plate for a long time without ever being able to communicate that with anybody or whatever else, and for whatever reason. Mm-hmm your life crossed with theirs and your pat and you were able to be in a position to not even like you have this world of wisdom, but you can just be a, a innocent bystander and give some feedback or something. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, the, especially the last two years have brought out the best and the worst in a lot of people. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of it has been kind of ugly to some extent too, but you, um, yeah, it's interesting talking to people about it and I have, a lot of opinions on it too, but sure. it's been, uh, yeah, it's been very interesting talking to people for sure. The way things have all played out and, and who knows how they'll go here in the future, but. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But do you, you enjoy, have you always been a, a, a person that is interested in people as well? I mean, that's what this is about. And it sounds like that's what your, um, <clears throat> again, that's what you thrive and enjoy. That's the part that you look forward to. Have you always been that way? Yeah, I, I'm, Ultimately, um, I like one-on-one conversations. Um, I, I do not like group conversations. I hate when there's 15 people stand, sitting around in a room talking. Yeah. To me, that's that's almost the worst type of conversation because you don't ever talk about anything except for the weather and right. what have you. Yeah. So, so I enjoy one-on-one conversations, um, and and I think that's what that really fosters. You know, like especially a uh, the you're seeing one person at a time. You know, it's. It, it, that that's again that's the part i really enjoy about it the most mm-hmm. um i guess i'm a i'm an introvert i have extroverted ten, tendencies as an introvert sure so, so um but i i'm definitely an introvert i can i could go for two days and not talk to somebody and be completely fine right be in my own my own head or what have you but i enjoy interactions with you know especially one or two people especially if they have something to say you know right so, right yeah the uh and and we, we had talked before on the the logging side of things, how you miss that. And I, 
it makes sense that part of it is the physical component. Uh, but also you had mentioned before, like the, uh, you miss like being one of the guys, right? The camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, um, we had, like when I was working, there was the same core group of guys working together. There was essentially there were four of us mm-hmm. and then, then the trucks would be coming and going. But the one thing about that world that is so, um, fun is the the you can see your your work at the end of the day so basically what you're paid by and what um, essentially what my boss was paid by was the production that we put out so basically at the end of the day you see a big pile of wood there and that Mm -hmm. that meant everything in the world so there is a uh, sense of an accomplishment there for surely and that was always the goal is to try and get as much wood wood as you can out so that was actually um it's simple and and that's exactly what it was was just simple hard raw um labor which that part of it was was really fun i mean it's kind of like maybe being on a um some sort of a a football team or or some sort of athletics where you're you have just one goal in mind and that was to get as much done as possible Mm -hmm. you know win the super bowl or what have you or win whatever you're going to and and that's what it was was you're trying to get that that amount of production done so you're um goals were always so tangible just because of the you could actually see your work at the end of the day you know which was completely uh, a different way of thinking when i went back to school because your results aren't necessarily um anything that you can see at all right um and i had to interestingly enough i had to teach myself how to think um Hmm. so i had to learn how to think where I would actually retain stuff. So some of it is learning at, um, when you're learning things in the medical world, you're learning a different language, essentially. You're learning language that um, a lot of it's jargon to most people, uh, but you're, uh, so I had to try and learn the words for one, Hmm. and second of all, um, to kind of retain that information. So I found the best way for me to learn is learning little snippets, read stuff, and I, and actually, if I'm up and walking and pacing, I find out I learn, learn better. Hmm. And that's and that's what actually spurs thought. Even when I'm talking to somebody, a lot a lot of times I'll kind of pace there, right. sitting talking. And I think that's just um, I don't know, probably the way my mind works best. Hmm. Um, yeah, or, or a good way to learn is to screw up once or twice too. You learn it oh, yeah. good that way. Right, right, <laughs> for sure. The I'm curious the on a, like you've been a nurse now. You're a nurse practitioner. Can you see a lot of nurses that you think would make great nurse practitioners or, or even outside of that question, if you were talking to a nurse that's considering it, what would be the driver to make them do so? Is it like they're looking for something more that they're looking for a higher challenge or can you touch on that? I'm just curious. I, I don't know that relationship. Yeah. Um, to answer your first question. Yeah. There was one of the nurses that I worked with for a long time in the emergency department. She was one of my work partners and I she i knew she would have made a great nurse practitioner and she eventually did she went on to go to school she asked many questions about it but she just had that um she's a very motivated person anyway she was Mm -hmm. one of these people that um she's involved in and she's done ultras she's done triathlons she's done all this she's very you know as far as uh athletically she's motivated Mm -hmm. but also too um I, I i knew she wanted that higher level or it seemed like at that to me and I, I told her many times why don't you go on to, to school to to you know for the high, higher level and which she eventually did right um so 
I, I think there are certain people you can see that they want something more than what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And some people are satisfied in the role that they're doing, which there's, there's no knock on that at, e- at all either. For sure. Um, and, and, and nursing isn't like you're at a lower level than a nurse practitioner by any stretch. It's just a different job, you know? Right. Um, the, it, it's just, uh, um, it, I think the thing that I like again is the autonomy that I have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even like as far as there's 38 states in 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 union right now that you can operate completely independently as a nurse practitioner hmm. um, and without having any doc sign off on any of your charts or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan's not one of those states yet. Um, Wisconsin is for the most part. I think you have to show one chart a year or something okay or, or you have a collaborating physician or something um michigan there's a lot of a lot of kickback against it because uh, a lot of kickback against nurse practitioners practitioners being um independent and i think a lot of it is because we have so many medical schools in michigan sure uh, and there's a lot of pushback from medicine uh, for people um cutting into their territory as they look at it so mm-hmm. so there's at least about four medical schools downstate so yeah for sure and part of the reason i ask is i'm curious and also i've got four siblings that are nurses and i don't know if that's a conversation they're having in their head of oh yeah if they consider something like that yeah in fact uh, don't you have a brother who's a nurse yeah maybe yeah, yeah. brother and three sisters yeah. okay yeah. yeah i mean i would always oh and to answer the second part of your question i would always encourage anybody to to go on in that world i mean there's there's a need for providers everywhere um, and, and much like working as a nurse, um, you can pretty much pick a spot on the map and go to work there. It's a different way of thinking for sure. Uh, when I first started working as an NP, uh, that also was a whole learning curve where I had to retrain myself how to, you're thinking, um, you're thinking of how you're going to solve the problem right, rather than the nuts and bolts of here's an order, follow this order. Then you go on to the next part, follow that order mm-hmm. type thing. So you're thinking of the, um, what's the end result going to be? You know, when somebody walks in the emergency department, for example, there's only three possible destinations. They're sure. going back out the door. You know, you give them what they want and they go back out the door. They're going upstairs, getting admitted to the hospital or they're going down the road, getting transferred. Right. So those are the only three places. So, um, and they're always, is it that destination and right when they walk through the door that's the first thing you're thinking where are they going to be going where, mm-hmm. where's the right path for them to go and that's part of my job in there in the um in the ed was to make sure that they get down the right path sure <laughs> where they're supposed to go where the clinic when they come in there's only one possible destination they're going back out the door no matter what right i once in a while send them to the hospital if they need some further testing or what, what have you but essentially sure. they're going home right right so, so <clears throat> that is something that if somebody is looking for that next next challenge that you would recommend, it's been rewarding. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's um it's been the most I don't know. It was it was probably the hardest thing to, to attain in my life as far as the uh, as far as anything, obviously school wise. But it it's been the most rewarding too. Okay. Um, I would definitely encourage anybody to do it. Yeah. Do you have a I want, to, I want to ask you one question after this one too and, and close out, but do you have any, was there a moment in the nursing world or in the nurse practitioner world or, and there has to have been hundreds and thousands of them, but like, can you speak to a moment where you're like, this is why I'm doing this? Like all those insecurities aside or all the nerves aside, whatever else, did you have a moment where, or, or, or any moments again that just like, this is, this is worth it. Like this is why I'm doing this. Oh, absolutely. Um, especially 
you know, especially in the emergency department where you're really impacting people's lives where some, you know, for example, um, I remember we had one night where we had two codes back to back. So what a code means is somebody's heart stops mm. essentially. And they were 15 minutes apart from each other. And it was myself and another nurse working. Um, and it was just the two of us in the dock there. And we were, we had just got finished running one of the codes. So essentially we had given the medications, we had done the heart chest compressions, everything mm-hmm. we were walking. I was walking to another room and the, the door happened to be open. And as I looked at the monitor, um, basically the patient went into VTAC. Um, if I remember right, that's the way it went. We had run for the other crash cart. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started doing chest compressions, then started an IV, got, um, got her the medications she needed, ended up shocking her, mm-hmm. got her rhythm back. Um, and essentially both of those patients ended up living, um, that the lady that I saw went into VTAC, I've seen her just recently within the last six months Unreal. and she's still living. Um, she would have died yeah. essentially. So it definitely made a difference in her life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and I've, I've been involved in situations where, uh, the real sad ones or the real tough ones are the, um, especially if it's a, if it's a kid you yeah. know? and I've been there where it's, um, there's, there's nobody does well in those situations, but, I'll tell you, there's not a person in that world who's working like in an emergency department who doesn't do everything they can way above a hundred percent. I mean, you're, I mean, you can only go to a hundred percent, but I mean, with a, with an 85 year old who's at the nursing home, who has a heart attack and who is a full code, mm-hmm. it's one thing to do chest compressions on them, but essentially they're dead. Right? right. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to, trying to get them back a little bit, but mm-hmm. with a kid, it's all the difference in the world. You'll try for two hours. Right. You'll do whatever it takes and try and try and try and try everything in your power. Um, so I've been involved in those situations more times than I care to remember. But, yeah. you know, on the other hand, they are, um, in a strange way, you feel like you've made a, you've done, did everything you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, and oftentimes I can think of many situations where the, the kid didn't make it. Right. Um, and, you live with that, yeah. Um, but you did everything you can in your power. So um, those situations, uh, you, you feel like at least the family um, feels like you did everything you could. And oftentimes, what they teach you in medicine is, uh, or what they we've learned over the last um, maybe decade or maybe even a little longer, was to take the family in in those situations. Actually. Yeah. S- let them see you working on their child or loved one right and have a representative there from the hospital be with that person and explain what's going on right you know they're trying to do what they can you know especially if it's you know a drowning or hit by a car or electrocution or and you know i've seen all those they're they're not um they're not situations that are easily reversed mm-hmm. um but it's great to have to be able to have the family there and it's um i don't know i think there's also a sense of accomplishment um just in the regard that you tried to do everything you can i don't know if accomplishment is the right word but a mm-hmm. sense of um we did everything we can everything that you're trained for i know i i guess i could probably parallel it to somebody who's been trained maybe in the military mm-hmm. and you go through you know like a, a nephew who was in the special forces right um and he talked about his training and that's all he did was train and train and train and 
what he told me is that when you get into a, a situation where all of a sudden you're involved in a shootout or what have you, all of a sudden your training just kicks in mm-hmm. and things go very slow. Time actually goes slow, slow. And it's, it's actually a really neat feeling mm-hmm. um, to some regard if you can, because um, your training kicks in and you're just, you're doing what you were trained to do. I yeah. guess. And I think that's why training is so important. Um, yeah, I can see um, that. You're in, you're in a, a, a high tense situation and you're wondering mm-hmm. how would you respond to it? Yeah. And you're right in there. You're, you're doing the things you have to do. And, and, and afterwards being like, I responded how I should have and even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't always that way okay. either. So the, the first, I remember the very vividly, the first trauma that I experienced, I was working actually at the bell hospital in Ishpeming and I was a new nurse and thankfully I was working with experienced nurses yeah. at the time. And I learned very valuable lessons at that time. The first lesson being the worst absolute thing you can do in just about any situation, um, in life is to panic. Sure. Um, it does nothing for you, absolutely right. nothing. And it paralyzes your brain. So if you can stop the panic and, and actually rationally think, okay, the only thing I can do that's going to help this person is if I do this, this series of steps, A, B, C, D, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Usually it involves getting an IV in them. Usually the inv- first thing you do is get their clothes off of them. Um, and then, you know, go, Mm-hmm. You know, thenceforth, you oftentimes re- requires you know high levels of IV fluids and, and I don't know. There's there's many things that it usually requires, but I guess my point is is the worst thing you, you can do is freeze and do nothing mm-hmm. rather than even doing one thing as long as you're heading in the right direction. You know, right? Did you have and, that happen where you, whether or not you went all out panic, you felt it coming or, or? Uh, no? You know, I think it was probably overcome by panic in my mind like am i doing the right thing am i you know probably panicking more in my mind than like i wasn't all out panic like running running or anything like right. that it was just um my mind was racing thinking um okay what's the next step but the courses that they teach you um in in trauma there's a tncc course which is trauma nurse core coursing mm-hmm. and there's also you know atls which is um, basically a heart course there's also or, or acls there's also an atls which, which is a trauma course which is run by completely um, physicians and surgeons um, great course mm-hmm. uh, and it teaches you uh, how to think and if you can think systematically in those situations um, it's extremely helpful because hmm. you, and when you come to an outcome you can just follow with what you would do at that point you know yeah the, the problem in in any trauma situation is you can be distracted by distracting injuries for one okay um so you get where a guy comes in and his arm for example is bent in a u and it and there's a bone sticking out and he's screaming and hollering obviously this is a big deal right right but he also is just involved in a snowmobile accident and he hit his chest and belly on this on the the bar and he's laying in front he was laying in front of the snowmobile and somebody found him well he's hollering about his arm would be very easy to just concentrate on that arm because that's what's hurting him. Right. But his arm's probably not going to kill him. It's the um, aortic, you know, the, the disrupted aorta or, you know, the belly trauma, the slow bleed inside. Actually, this disrupted aorta would have killed him already. But the, right. if he has a lacerated liver or something like that, that's more likely to kill him rather than the distracting injury. So right. th- those are the things that you learn, you know, when, when, sure. you're, when you go into that world. But Okay. So, um. I know that's a little 
um, probably not exactly what all nursing is for sure, but that's that was the world that I was involved in. And mm-hmm. actually, the truth is, is most of emergency nursing is not like that at all. Right. Um, you concentrate, you know, I'm, I'm concentrating on the um, traumas and stuff like that, but 85% of what you see is probably stuff that comes in and goes back out the door you know mm-hmm. it's the same coughs and runny nose that i see in the clinic to be honest with you right. people come to the air ER for those at two in the morning yeah. um they also come for other stuff or they need a lot of times they need some i don't know lab work oftentimes and but to work as a nurse practitioner in the ed i did essentially um i, I would see patients independently just like the doctor would mm-hmm. and oftentimes the doc would never even see the patients um Usually, if it was a big trauma situation, the doc usually ran those, um, and that that was a good thing. They they were they've all been trained to do that. Um, not that I haven't had my training, but they've definitely had more training than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but and um, so, in theory, I was supposed to see all the people who were um, who are of lesser acuity, which essentially is what I did. And then there's probably a mix half and half of patients who are going to be get, getting admitted to the hospital for. A variety of reasons let's say they come there and sometimes people come in with reasons that seem pretty benign mm-hmm. um and they end up being a real big deal hmm. come in with a slight cough and you find out they got lung cancer for example right so you see those situations where where i could be working as a nurse practitioner and see that person and mm-hmm. not, you know where they come in their complaint is one thing and you go in to see them and realize it's actually it, it gets a lot deeper than that so yeah for sure no i'll say firsthand is uh not firsthand well I could say firsthand of my own exposure of the medical world or my wife's exposure, whatever else that good thing for nurses. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't stomach it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for nurses and nurse practitioners and yeah. doctors, whatever else, <clears throat> maybe you can, is it an exposure thing or something, but it also feels like you're probably cut out for it or you're not. Is that true? Or what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Actually, the, the interesting thing is I had the weakest stomach in the world when I was growing up. You, okay. couldn't, you couldn't mention the word blood or huh. cough or smells anything would gross me out needles no way you know um especially i mean i don't know yeah probably watching somebody start an iv would have probably made me pass out type Mm. thing you know and definitely um i had the weakest stomach in the world that's all you had to do is try and gross me out when i was eating supper and i'd be um i'd have been in the other room like gagging i was one of those people and i i think it's something i you just develop in that world the emergency department in, in general has a way of uh you're, you're exposed to a, such a variety of smells i mean gi bleeds for one that yeah. and gangrene there's no no worse smells in the world like the entire department is it's an indescribable smell until you smell it right Probably, like i've heard how rotting bodies are on a battlefield you know what i mean that type of smell right and after a while it's you can eat a sandwich and smell it it's not not a big deal at all yeah. <laughs> i mean it's just part of part of what you do and i think it's probably a more a learned thing than I don't know. Maybe, maybe that was always part of me, but I know I had definitely had a weak stomach growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> in fact, my, my yeah. siblings used to sometimes use it to their advantage. Of course, they'd say yeah. something. I'd go running the other room. You know? Right. Huh. <laughs> so maybe it is an exposure thing, hey, and yeah. somebody could get used to it. But I, yeah, from the outside looking in, it feels like you're cut off for it, not or not. But again, obviously, it must be slightly an exposure thing. But the one thing I am curious about too is uh, actually I just was thinking I wanted to close it out with on the intellectual curiosity side has that it must change from season to season or year to year of something things that you're fired up on or, or I, guess, I guess I'm curious right now do you have any current things that you've been exploring or researching or looking into or um, well actually where, where I'm I'm 
I have an, one house that I have as an Airbnb and I'm building a little one on, I have actually a shipping container that I'm building into an Airbnb right now. Okay. And I've been involved in that project. In fact, I'll probably work on it this afternoon. And that's been a ball. I enjoy yeah. working on that, um, trying to fit everything into that small space. Hmm. That's one thing. Um, I usually ski in the mornings, uh, so I enjoy doing doing exercise. Um, I I enjoy such a variety of things too. I mean, I, I always feel like I could retire tomorrow and never run out of things to do because I enjoy hiking. I, I love hunting. Um, right. I've been out west hunting just like you, mule hunting only only one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a ball doing it. I could see doing that every year. Right. Uh, and it seems like what, whatever I do um, outdoorsy, I, I enjoy doing that, you know? Yeah. Camping, hunting, fishing, I enjoy all that stuff. So, right, right. I usually go to Isle Royale every summer, and that's that's one of the places when you're there. It's just like, yeah, it's it, it's fantastic to be there. No phones, phone service, so nobody's checking their text message. You might as well turn it off and mm-hmm. put it in front of the boat because we're here to talk and fish. You know, <laughs> right, right. No, I could see. Is this true for you? Like the you enjoy the super demanding part of your the the uh, your work, right? You enjoy the the super demanding part of school side of things, but you also enjoy the the release of the exercise or of working on the Airbnb or the going to Isle Royal. Do you enjoy being like super intensive in one or the other and not trying to always be in the middle between the two? Yeah, actually, I, what I really enjoy about working with my hands, and I think I enjoyed this in the woods too, is the fact that I could let my mind wander and work yeah. at the same time. And okay. I think that's really what it is. The The Airbnb part of it, like a lot of construction stuff, I have to think about each move too, because I'm again, it's not my second nature to just know that stuff. Some of those guys are just so good at working on, on anything like that. And I have to kind of look at it a second time and try and figure out ways. For mm-hmm. example, putting a window into corrugated metal has been, um, I, I've studied it and I found out there's about four different ways you can do it. And hmm. I, I came up with a plan that, uh, of a way that I'm going to do it. Sure. Um, so, so those are things that I, I enjoy, um, exploring. Um, but as far as just like cutting and splitting firewood, for example, most people just absolutely despise it. I enjoy it. I, I just enjoy letting my mind wander and yeah. just, just working, you know, that part of it. And that's, that's something that's, maybe it's because, um, maybe it's because it's a release from what I do on a day-to-day basis. I think that's probably part of it. Cause I certainly didn't enjoy it when I was mm-hmm. 16, 17 years old. I hated it, but right. now I just, I don't know. I really enjoy it. So, yeah. Well, Bruce, I really, I really appreciate you hopping on. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Logan. Yeah. <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have, and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and give us some feedback with a review until next time. Thank you.